This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trab. This is Pixie. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of of comparing who's got the biggest stick. Remember, kids, the wizard staff has a knob on the end. Oh dear God, we went there. <laughs> Welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. This week, we are continuing our ongoing series of making the perfect magic system, and we are going to be talking, at least initially, about a focus, and what is a focus, and what does it do, and why would anybody want one? You have joined the most secret government agency that you have never heard of, the 13th Bureau of Justice, otherwise known as... Bureau 13. You are a government agent charged with the duty of disposing of the greatest unnatural threats to the people and the the economy of the United States and Canada. You will work under the knowledge that you are funded by an organization so secret, even the highest government officials do not know of your existence. Welcome to the elite band of people who wander the dark streets of the night, ever searching for the horrors that should not exist in this modern age. You are a special agent. Stalking the Night Fantastic. Bureau 13 is a Gen Con award-winning RPG of modern horror and paranormal adventure. It's available from Tritech Games at TritechGames.com in both the original editions and in the D20 edition, with a new Savage Worlds edition coming soon. Remember that wherever the supernatural waits, good and evil, the agents of Bureau 13 will be there. But the evil is growing. Researching familiars uh, did point out that there is another branch of familiar we haven't touched, and that's, you know, the more magical kind. Demons, imps, homoculi. It's still a higher power. It's just from a different, it's just from a different source. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. But having a, a little imp walk around with you as your, as your um, familiar might get you looked at by some folks. Like, okay, why do you have an imp? Are, yeah, are, 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 are you yeah. diabolic? Yeah. Well, the, in D and D, the best, uh, you know, the, the the best familiar was in fact the uh, the the imp that you could get. You know, if you were really really lucky, because he and he could do invisibility, and he could do all kinds of really cool stuff. And the other familiars could do things like give you night vision, or maybe uh, you got a boost to your your con, and that was it. And this, this thing was like amazing. He's like, oh yeah, sure, I'd love to. But only if you were, uh, only if you were like uh, chaotic evil, could you get that one? Yeah, because then, homoculi, which which would be an artificial, an artificial familiar, you know, it's something you actually physically crafted, imbued with, and somehow through a ritual or something, imbued, you had it imbued with life, and now he's your familiar. You know that's that actually in, is, I was re, like I was just reading up. That's actually is, is out there. That like, like Mage's first project, make an oculi. <laughs> yeah, well, if that's part of your thing that everybody has a familiar, and that familiar is your homoculi, well, then okay, yeah. And that, that does bring a point up because uh, a lot because I think wasn't that a fine familiar spell in D D or is that that did that change? Yeah, yeah, there's a fine familiar spell. That's how you use it to get it. Well, in 3.0, 3.5, and Pathfinder, it's not a spell now. It's a class feature. It's just, 
If you sign mm. on to be a wizard or sorcerer, you get a familiar. It's one of those things you get as you go up levels. You get the find familiar ability. I, I think a lot of times, a lot of GMs just have you just go, okay, do you do your find familiar thing? Hey, there he is. No, 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 no. You need to find your familiar. This is something I would think would actually would be a, a little mini adventure in and of itself. You know, it's sort of like a vision quest, only it's a pet quest uh, <laughs> at this point. Like that. Yeah. I know that the Palladium rules have the familiar link spell, and I believe it's like a third or fourth level spell. And yeah, it's not a class feature. If you're a spellcaster in the Palladium system, you don't necessarily have to have a familiar. It's a spell you can choose, and then you can find the familiar later. And it, you know, it gives certain uniform abilities to your wizard and it, mm -hmm. it gives a list of animals that are suggested. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, again, it depends on the system. For some, it's mm -hmm. intrinsic for the class, like in OGL, or like in Palladium, it's not mandatory. You can take it if you want. Yeah, I think in Savage Worlds, in either the fantasy or the horror, maybe both, it's a edge. It's an, an advantage you can take. Okay. You, you know, so you can, you know, you're, you, you, but only if you're a, uh, of the magic casting class. Yeah. All right. Well, John, you were talking about the idea of, of uh, being able to have a link with your familiar. It's not just you could talk to it, but as you said, you could see through his eyes, hear through his ears, you know, whatnot. Um, and uh, that's used in a lot of games. Uh, now, there's two different versions of this. One is where your mind basically moves into its body and your body and your mind becomes you basically become insensate to, you, to your surroundings back where you are. So people got to watch you, make sure that nobody comes over and chops your head off or something because you have no idea what's going on around you. Or it's it's you're really just kind of like, you know, um, it's like you know, looking at it, you're in a VR display. You still can hear, you though you might get an overlay of the things that the animals is is is, is hearing. You can see, you know, um, but you still have all the other feelings. You're still, you know, you just you're just basically taking the senses. You're choosing a sense that you want to be able to pick up through your familiar, and you just channel that one sense to you. This is getting confusing, and it's putting me to sleep. Sorry. <laughs> Don't make me edit you, Josie. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's sort of like a drone pilot. Uh, you're you're up, yeah. One case, one case, you are you are the cat. In the other case, you're okay. Okay, that way. What? No. Meow. What? No, no, no. To your right. What's a right? Oh God, we got goes again. <laughs> yeah, I have an octopus. Which way is right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, no. Rex, stop chasing that squirrel. Okay. You know. <laughs> yes. So I think that that goes back to how smart you want your familiar and just Yeah. I think generally the and this is from what I've seen across the board in games all the time that when you take on a familiar, it's imbued with a little bit of your intelligence that way then it gets an upgrade. It's yeah. uplifted magically to where you can interact with it 
more on an equal level. Mm-hmm. Is that what you want, Trev? Is that what you want to be in this new magic system? Do you want your familiar to be just this little, you know, this this minor thing, or do you want it to be like a full partner with you? I wouldn't say a full partner. I would I would yep. say definitely it would still be in a subordinate position, but I would want it to be more than just a typical animal of that type. Do you think you should be able to see through its senses or hear through its ears? Yes. In this case, I think it would it would go down to personal preference at that point. Well, I'm, we're talking about like a system. Okay, so, you know, is this something we want our familiars to be able to have? And yeah, as you said, you also get some of the, that feedback back. So if you have a rat that's familiar, do you become, you know, do you, are you more agile now? Can you now fit through tighter spaces like a rat can? Are you sneakier? Do you like cheese more? Yeah. Well, no. Rats don't like cheese. Don't 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 mess with the the, the iconic stuff. No, no. They're lactose intolerant. They, they'll eat cheese. They are. They they like peanut butter better. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. I mean, tur- turtles love ground beef. Okay. That's true. Yeah. I, but I'm getting where I'm getting where John's going with this because Pathfinder rules. And Josie can back me on this. In the core rulebook, you see a list of all the stuff, the little bonuses that you get if your familiar is nearby you. Now, of course, you get the alertness feat right off the bat, but like rats give you a plus two to your stealth roll. Hawks mm. give you an, some more to your perception. Uh, there's another one that gives you stealth. Another one gives right. you diplomacy. Yeah, so the there is a trade-off. Yeah. So if I have a skunk as a familiar, I have a I have a well, not quite a breath weapon, but uh Settle down here, <laughs> We're not going to go there. <laughs> uh, it's an ill wind that blows no one good. Yeah. Like I said, settle down there, spleen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have to cut cut to cut the cheese here, yeah. <laughs> There is the concept of these these familiars being upgradable over time, just like we were talking about wands and other foci to be upgradable. So you might start off with a you know just uh, an empathy with it, going to a full mind melt. All right, you know. But I'm just saying, is are these things we want to be able to do, or is this something you think should should be the province of the mage and the mage alone? Should you be able to cast a spell through a familiar? If you can see through its eyes and everything else, why can't you cast a spell through it? Deliver touch spells? Oh, no, that's great. You have your little familiar go over and just... And I think Josie did this with healing spells with Leonidas and the... the, Yes. Yeah, just came up and the cat just sort of put its paw on an injured team member and it was like, oh, good, I'm alive. Looks and it's the cat, you know. (laughs) You're kind of like, I'll take it. (laughs) I'll go with it. Yeah. The, the other thing I was yeah. thinking of as well is that I mean, the the animal has skills. I mean, you can level them up, so to speak. They get, you know, so instead of being a first level cat, he's now a second level cat. Not only just that, John, but does the cat get your skills because of that mind connection? If you're a uh, an experienced martial artist, does that give the cat bonuses to its attacks? 
if you have some kind of uh, um, uh, combat advantage, let us say. You know? Like if I was some sort of wushu mage or something like that, you know, because... Or if you were somebody who understood tactics as such, you know, may, you know, death from above. Maybe a cat wouldn't normally do that, but this cat, because it has the experience, has the benefit of your experience and your training, you know, knows to go for the jugular vein because it knows, it somehow knows anatomy rather than just going and scratching at something or biting somebody on the arm. Why am I reminded of the old D&D game with the hamster? Go for the eyes, boo. Go for the eyes. <laughs> That's totally what the hamster... Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what... I mean, guys, you know, is, is this what you want? Do you want to be able to do this? I would. Yeah. I see that as a useful, useful oh, yeah. thing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, for one thing, it, one thing improves your survivability of your of your familiar. You know, if you're in a system that actually has you know levels, a level one cat versus a level two cat is another an extra die of hit points he's got. Yeah, <laughs> and also I believe there's an intelligence upgrade. There's mm-hmm. natural armor bonus, which means it's a little tougher. To, it it it's a little more resistant to damage. Because mm-hmm. by the time you're like a 20th level wizard, your familiar's got like a plus eight or plus nine natural armor bonus to it, which I use armor as damage reduction. You guys all know this from how I run my games. And you're sitting there and you shoot this cat. You're a 20th level wizard. Someone tries to shoot your cat familiar and the bullet bounces off. I mean, at the most, it might get knocked prone due to physics, but that cat's just going to look at you and go, really? <laughs> I like where it just basically does a, you know, goes into a martial arts stance and knocks the arrow to the side. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's the point where, where the wizard looks at the cat, looks at the guy foolish enough to shoot the cat, looks back at the cat and goes, get him. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize wow. I recognize that feminine scream of panic anywhere. That would be the guy that just shot the cat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. okay. Oh, it's, it's it's real fun when the when the cat doesn't meow. The cat sounds like a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, especially if it's learned some spells along the way, and the cat learned <laughs> shape change or ventriloquism. Oh, that too. Uh-huh. Yeah. It allows you to produce sounds. Doesn't have to be sounds of your, uh, you know. Oh, that's funny. Oh, what a cute little kitty. <laughs> 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 oh, better yet, or better, he looked, you know, you cute little kitty, and he goes, Bark? What? what? <laughs> <laughs> but I like the idea of shape changing. Go get him. The cat goes, Okay. And then he becomes the tiger. <laughs> yeah, I think someone would, would need to change, change, change his armor after that. Uh, <laughs> what's that one, what's that one uh, old cartoon where. Sylvester and the Panther keep switching out. All right, kitty, mm-hmm. scratch me. Come on. Why don't you scratch me? Yeah. It slices I think would, like bread. <laughs> I, I I think they would need the brown pants at that point. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> what about the possibility that the that your familiar acts as a horcrux for you? Ooh. <laughs> I call him Harry. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, where essentially, as long as the familiar exists, you may die, but you're not really 
permanently dead. You're almost dead, says Magic Max. Yes. Kind of like talking the crow in the Brandon Lee movie, The Crow. When Mike Winslow's character harmed the crow, Brandon Lee's power diminished because that his life force, his resurrected life force, Eric Draven being a revenant, their, their life forces were linked, so big money, Michael Winslow's character shot the crow, and we saw what happened to Brandon Lee's character. Yeah, that could have bonuses and detriments. Right. Well, that's the downside. That's like if someone shoots your familiar and you get hurt. Yeah. But there's the opposite one that I was talking about where it's an advantage where, yes, you know, you get killed, but you're not really dead. Yeah. And the question, therefore, is what's the cost to the familiar to, well, uh, take you back to, you know, to your last save point and bring you back? At that, you know, basically, is it his life versus yours at that point? Or is it more like, okay, well, when you bring me back, our link is broken at this point, and you're now whatever you were before. I mean, there, they can, always a cost for these things. Well, yeah, in the, in the, in the OGO rules for Pathfinder, if you lose your familiar, if your familiar dies, Mm -hmm. I think you can't reform it for, you can't get a new familiar for a year and a day. And I think, or like a month or whatever. And in 3.0, 3.5, you actually took an experience point hit. Yeah. But what we're saying here, as he says, if, if he's operating, if your familiar is operating as a Horcrux, can't, you know, can the familiar then, you know, sacrifice itself to resurrect you? Well, maybe it could, or it, just the fact that it's keeping you from being truly dead means that you can be reformed by the application of, of appropriate forces where you otherwise would have been dead, 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 and, you know, joining the choir eternal. Yep. Yeah, the, I, I suppose, given the nature of that, disadvantage is that you really have to make sure your familiar doesn't get killed because the fact if that happens, you could be totally killed at that point until you replace the familiar and go through all the effort to do that same thing again. Right, and you could be diminished as a result of that happening. As a result of losing the familiar as well. Right. So, does this sound like a good idea to you guys or not? Uh, Horcrux-type bond? I don't think so. Uh, not, really, no. not, not, not feeling it. No. Nah. I mean, some sort of uh, there is, you know, th- there is a, you know, these things, magic always has a cost of some sort. And you are, you do have some, you have a bond with your familiar. If you, if you can see it through his eyes, you have a bond. But it may be one that uh, if he dies or gets harmed, you you might feel it. You may actually not take damage, but you may feel if he gets harmed or if he dies, you may actually. Uh, you might, yeah, it's you know, do Obi Wan Kenobi and, and go, oh, I felt a great disturbance in the forest, and it'd be yeah. worthless for weeks on end, and you know, until you. It may not be. It, what what it's sounding like is that you may not physically feel if your familiar gets harmed or killed, but mentally, psychologically, there's a definite backlash. Uh, there's a backlash there. I want the full-blown symbiosis. You know, your you know, your life and you know, we are one. Your life and my life, 
you know, we are stronger because of each other. You know, you, you can never truly die as long as I live. I can never truly die as long as you live. And all the complications that come with that, I, that all sounds like good role-playing to me. And, and, and a more, more interesting. Now, it might not be fair to the other players. If the other players, you know, oh, well, you know, John, the, the, may, uh, the, the fighter guy over there, the, the sharpshooter, you know, he gets shot. He's dead. Oh, too bad, John. <laughs> Boss, does that mean you're my horcrux? But if there's other, if there are other options available to them, like brain downloading or um, putting them into cryostasis or other things where you can, you know, I mean, this be, this becomes a game balance thing sometimes, but just from the standpoint of what the familiar to me always seems to be, at least in potential, I think it's great. You know, I, I, I would definitely want to go that direction. In the video game Draken, the main character, a woman, bonds with a dragon, and so they share one set of hit points, and she's got a lot of hit points. But, you know, if the dragon takes damage, she hurts. She gets, she suffers. I just realized what you were describing with that sort of thought. With the whole, the, the whole, we are, as one thing, dragon riders of fur. Does that thing actually go beyond the mental link? It's actually the physical? I, I don't know, I don't remember because I haven't read them in a while, but yeah. there's a definite link between Rider and Dragon. Yeah. Often when one dies, the other wills follow. Yeah. And so so Bruce, taking your Horcrux thing, so are you the your familiar's Horcrux? Yeah. That, I mean, that would be fair to be both, you know. It's in the archetype. The, the Beast-Bonded Witch. Yeah, the one that you use for uh, Sam, yeah. Yeah, um, 10th level, Twin Soul. Oh, gosh. That. I think that's what he's describing. What book is it in? I don't remember. Oh. It's in one of them. <laughs> yeah, one of the 10,000 PDFs on your hard drive. No, 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 this is Pathfinder. I got hard copy. I just got to remember which one it's in. But yeah. I, I get what she's kind of going toward because the yep. beast bonded really like one of them is enhanced familiar. Your familiar is worth a, it's as if your level is higher as a witch. Let's say it's at fifth level. Well, no, now you're familiar as if it's an eighth level familiar, which means the natural armor goes up. So it has abilities like that. No, but I get what she's trying to go for here with that. Beast bonded. Here we go. Ultimate magic. Let me get to Twin Soul. At tenth level, if the Witcher, her familiar, is gravely injured or about to die, the soul of the dying one immediately transfers to the other's body. The two souls share the surviving body peaceably, can communicate freely, and both retain their ability to think and reason. The host may allow the guest soul to take over the body temporarily or reclaim it as a move action. They can persist in this state indefinitely, or if the guest can return to its own body if available by touch transfer into a suitable vessel, such as a clone, or take over another body as if using magic jar with no receptacle. And it would replace the major hex at 10th level. Yeah, I get where she's going with that. That would be, from what I'm gathering, the Horcrux, because as you know, that I'm not into the Harry Potter fandom. 
from what you guys have been describing as the Horcrux. It's a soul gem. Yeah, it's a soul gem used by liches. Oh, 10th level. Okay, Josie, Sam's got five to go then. I know. That's why I don't intend on multiclassing this one. Oh, okay. I like this one. (laughs) Well, in keeping with focus, so can I give my um, familiar a focus? I would say not. Oh. I think that would be daisy chaining it out a little bit too much. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, you know, I, uh, I, I'm not seeing that working either. I mean, if you used a wand and you wanted your familiar to in, in, uh, to use the wand as you were casting through it, then I guess that could happen. But but not his own independent focus. I mean, the late the cat with his own you know r- magic red dot. Again, we're not talking about just uh, an item that casts a spell. You know, we, you know, that's that we were talking about that with like enchanted items with triggers the last time. Okay, if, if, I mean, if if a fighter can can pick up you know a wand and use it, then it's you know it's not a focus. It's it's just a magic item with an effect that he's able to trigger, and 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 vice versa. We're talking about something that's really integral. In some way, at some level, to the spell casting process. My mind, way my mind works. Yeah, uh, and also because I have a couple of games that are based on this. There is the inverse of the familiar. That is, if you're playing a game where you are a cat, and you can do magic, who's your familiar? The little lady who feeds you at every night. Is she now your familiar? <laughs> I mean, if fair is fair, if a, if a wizard can have, if a human wizard can have a cat as a familiar, can a cat wizard have a human as their familiar? I'm not going to put that kind of limitation. Yeah. You know what Trevor always says? Dogs yeah. have owners, cats have staff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if you are a, in, in that case, yeah. Suppose if you are a cat that's a wizard for some reason, mm-hmm. yeah, would consider the human their familiar. In that yeah. case, yeah. yes, familiar. Go reach that food on the high shelf for me. Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, like a mage, a mage could have a familiar in anything. I mean, a, 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 a mage's twin could be her familiar. Yeah, and because I do play a, a lot of uh, uh, Japanese uh, uh, role playing games, uh, when I'm thinking of uh, of um, oh, was it? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, oh, I can't remember. His, can't remember its name. But you play henge, which are basically uh, Japanese spirit animal creatures. Well, I can imagine that being a mage, having one of them as my as my familiar. But oh, those, oh, gotcha. Okay, kind of like a kitsune, or what was the name? Yukai. A similar a yukai. name in the. If any of you out there remember the old D and D book, Oriel Adventures, a uh, henge yokai. Yes, and a human form and a anthropomorphic form, and a pure animal form, of course. Yeah, Golden Sky Stories—that's the name of it. Golden Sky Stories. Okay, is the is the is the uh, game, and yeah, I could see you know in this case, yeah, you have a cat familiar who can turn into a a a person with ears and a tail, or he can turn into a full person if he if he has the right conditions for it. At that time, it'd be it'd be a really different kind of you know that would be more of the partner, 
that would be the partner because they can become totally, totally normal and pass in human society like they're humans. And if they need to be, they turn into a cat and dive off and go off and hide someplace. Well, the, the real question was, is that, you know, do you want, I mean, we do you want there to be focus um, in in the game? Do you want there to be it? I mean, I think pretty much everybody was acting like they did, but let's just say, do you want it? Do you want there to be uh, focus and do you want them to be required? I guess should be the more important question. Well, I'm going to go first. Uh, I would say no. I actually go with focuses would be an aid, but not requirement. So, yeah. I agree with that. Use it as, as do I. Yeah, use it as an aid, but not a requirement. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, it allows you to concentrate, well, focus as in the lens and concentrate magic better so you can cast faster and more powerful spells, but you can still do spells without it, you know, so you're not, so you're not, and if you lose your wand, yeah, 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 so you can still do magic. And the higher level mages go, oh, wand, how cute, and do their stuff, you know. It's more of an aid for the lower level mages to do better magic. As you get higher levels, it may, you know, you can always do the old inverse scale. The more powerful you are, the less you need the crutches to do your magic. But it really helps the lower levels to do magic. Is that how you feel, Trav? Yeah, I think we all, the three of us, are in a consensus. Use a focus as an aid, but not as a requirement. And you, Bruce? I like the idea of there being that because the mages, as a rule, are really overpowered. And having something about them that is, a, is required. Okay, if just, just as, a, as a means of transmitting the power through, I would like it to be necessary, but the amount that is necessary, I think, should be variable. So I like the idea of, of casting through something, whether it be a gem or a tattoo or something. You know, I like the idea of having that. I, I like the idea of it being necessary. Because lots of people, I've seen lots of games where people don't ever use wands or things like that, and they never gain any of these benefits that we've been talking about. Um, sometimes you need these things to be forced on you to really double down and, and really start to work with the concept in a way that can really make your character more interesting. And then um, uh, do we all agree that um, uh, familiars are a good thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and as we said, you know, at least at least two of us want our familiars. I know maybe you too. Uh, we want familiars that we can have a conversation with. Moving on, number seven. Does a mage have a spell battery? We talked about before about where does the magic power come from, and so it can come from all these different things. The question is. Does the mage have some kind of a place he can ag she can aggregate the power um, to use either you know whenever she whenever is needed um, 
something that could be uh, discharged or something that allows you to um, maybe cast spells places where you wouldn't be able to cast otherwise because you'd be cut off from your source of magic. Should the mage have a spell battery? Josie, do you think that the mage should have a reservoir of magic inside themselves that they can tap regardless of their connection to a current magic source? Like internal spell points, kind of? Okay, your laptop, okay? Do you have to have it plugged in the wall to make it work? Or do you have the ability to also walk around and continue to use it even if it's not plugged in? Does the mage have a spell battery? I mean, I like the idea. I mean... Yeah. And, and you, you also take that a little further. If you're talking like with, with the, like, uh, instead of a laptop, your phone, you can also have, you, your phone's got battery, but you also can get external batteries you can plug into your phone, so which is another form of battery in this case. Uh, I, actually, I have actually two of them myself for my phone because it eats up power like a pig. It's still the same thing. It serves the same purpose. It just provides, it doesn't provide you with more power. It just provides you with continuing power. You know, look into yourself and look into your navel and store power into yourself so that you can then later on use it as, as needed. Hmm. But also... Yeah. But, okay, John, about that, where would you be getting it? Just from the ambient magic of the universe? Or you'd have to be near a ley line to be able to recharge and refill that battery? Or does it just refill like, oh, I have eight hours of sleep and I'm good? Uh, I would, well, yeah, all those probably, I mean, you, you can sit down and you have to set up yourself in a magic circle and meditate for eight hours. And then you can actually have more, more spells. You just, they're all the same level. But just that you can now have a little bit more power to fire off things. Let's for a second talk about what's the purpose of a spell battery. Okay. I see two purposes for it. Uh, one, the first one, which is I think the most obvious, is, is that it's a reliable source of, of mana magic for you to use when you cast spells. So you don't have to worry about are you standing next to the ley line? Are you, you know, uh, or, or do you have your book or whatever? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a ready source of magic that can be tapped to do the, the casting that you normally do. It also could be. Extra, uh, like in games like in Savage Worlds, if you're using PowerPoints, it could represent an item that basically gives you more PowerPoints to spend on your on your on your on your magic spells. So it allows you to go over and above what you would normally be able to cast. That's correct, because a lot of spells have extra things you can do if you just spend a little bit more power. Well, if I have an item that get that has say ten extra PowerPoints in it, I can do that. I can do that bigger effect. But then again, I'll train that. I'll train that item, and that's you know, unless there's a way to actually put power into it afterwards, it's drained and it's gone. So it's more like a uh, non-rechargeable battery at that point. Well, yeah, with, uh, with um, because I in in my games across the board, I've given up on the Vancean school of magic. The typical mm -hmm. spell slots, fire and forget. I'm done with them. I mm -hmm. use a spell point option now, and Josie uses that for her uh, witch character. And I'm finding out it works a lot better because I'm trying to find ways now mechanically to, okay, and I'll use this for Josie and Sam. 
let's say I want to make an amulet to store spell points, that when your own spell points are done, it is an external battery. Sam Poole would be wearing this amulet that she can draw upon it at any time. She just sits there, maybe concentrates as a move action, and then fires off the spell. She uses the amulet's power to fire off a spell, and her own, you know, 29 spell points or whatever it is I gave her is there and intact. Now, there are rules, and I use the old, for spell points, I found the 3.5 Unearthed Arcana rules. I'm using those. Now, they also say for, and, and John talked about, oh, I can use more and power, make a more powerful spell. In OGL, how you have the metamagic feats, and it says, well, like, empower spell makes it as if it's three levels higher. Well, if you're firing a first-level spell and using spell points, how Unearthed Arcana does it is, okay, well, let's say Empower spell makes it as if it were a fourth-level spell. You just pay the spell points as if you're casting a fourth-level spell, and now your first-level spell, let's see, Empower, I think, does one and a half times the normal damage. So now... If it's a, let's say, a 2d4 acid arrow, well, now it's a 3d4 acid arrow with one and a half, one and a half d4 for the next two rounds because you paid the extra spell points to make it more powerful. I like the idea of spell batteries, both internal and external, because it allows you to modify those spells, but also now that you're, how am I doing this? internalizing the concept of meta magic, you're also freeing up spell feats. So as far as OGL, spell batteries work because it, it takes care of many different problems. It gets rid of the Vancean magic, which D&D has been based on since at least 3.0, and it frees up feat slots for the character to excel in other ways. So I have no problem with the spell battery concept. That's why I adopted it across the board in my games, because I'm realizing in the three games that I use it, well, no. Yeah, the three games I use it in, it opens up so much more for the character and for the player. So, yeah, yeah. I have no problem with the spell battery concept at all. I and and Tritech had it in the WK, WK dump uh, ability, Yes, power. that's right. Well, in the Tritech system, be, you know, because you know you had spell groups, uh, any spell within that group, as long as you had the points, you could cast it. As long as you made your, you know, casting of that particular thing, you know, that's that spell category. So you, you could have resurrection and healing all in the same thing. And the main reason why you weren't able to cast resurrection was because you didn't have the spell points for it. Well. Now you've got this item that gives you another thousand WKM, you know, working magic, and there's now no spell within uh, in any category that you know that as long as you make the success roll, you can't cast. I think there were some spells there, at least it were a couple hundred points to cast. Yeah. Gate spells especially. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. Palladium, the whole Rift system, 
they use their spell points are known as PPE, potential psych, yeah, potential psychic energy. And you can draw off ley lines, you have your own personal store. And of course, with how the whole Rift setting is, and the other settings too, like Nightbane Beyond the Supernatural, when you are at ley lines or at nexus points and during certain celestial events, you tend to be able to draw upon that much more power. Where at the right time of year, during the, like an eclipse or a planetary alignment, you can do those big spells like, I want to be able to teleport, or I want to be able to open a rift, or, oh look, there's an eclipse in a day, if we can keep the body cold, we can do the resurrection spell. So, yeah, yeah most, there's a lot of systems that I see in settings that allow for spell batteries, because they have that point system set up, and of course the higher level spells are going to cost more. Yeah. You can have the spell. If you can study it and find it, you can have the spell. But if you don't have the spell points, and right then it's just taken up a slot on your list, and you can only use it at a certain time. But when you do, it's often for the right purpose. Like, yeah, we need to, I want to travel to this dimension. Well, we got to wait three months for the, uh, the next lunar eclipse. Well, that's kind of like when they talk about spaceships, okay? You've got the spaceship that you, you, you makes the trip once a year because the planets are in alignment, and then you got the high-powered orbit with the really powerful ships that go there anytime they want to. They just, they just, have, the po- they just have the power to be able to pull it off. Yeah. 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 So here we have an object that... Um, allows us to continue to do something that we otherwise wouldn't have enough power to do. Like uh, you're in a combat, a battle, you don't run out of power before, you know, the, the battle's over. You know, you're either you're on the ground or your opponent, but it's not because you ran out of power and, and got smoked. Okay, so there's that reason, okay? There's the second reason, which is that it allows you to cast a spell you otherwise wouldn't be able to cast because it just requires that much more magic than you normally would be able to muster. Major reasons why you would want to have a spell battery. If you have different flavors of magic or or different um, schools of magic, this could be dedicated to one of those schools or one of those types or like thinking of elements. You have, you have a, a perfect fire opal. Guess what? Guess what you, what you can use it for. Right. Well, just like wands and such, you know, a, 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 fo- uh, a spell battery might be limited to only certain types of, 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 of effects. Or yeah. if you bring up that fire opal example again, mm-hmm. let's say you have that fire opal and you're doing a spell point, spell battery type magic system. Let's say you have something for that, like the fire opal. Well, let's say if it costs, and we'll use the the unearthed arcana spell point cost, fireball's a third level spell. Uh, Third level spells cost five spell points. Let's say if you have this fire opal, it may give you a discount. Because it is something that is dedicated to, quote-unquote, fire. 
Therefore, the GM might say, okay, you just saved yourself. You can use the fire opal. You may drain the luster out of it where you look at it and it no longer has that orange glow within it, but you just saved yourself a spell point to throw that fireball. Congratulations. Yeah. I mm-hmm. could see that happening. And, of course, then you could just sit there and, you know, extend that to, oh, look, I have this, you know, I got this, you know, nine-volt lantern battery. You just got a spell point off of uh, the cost of that lightning bolt. Yeah. Now, in the uh, the Nick Pilata Bureau 13 novels, uh, mages use spell batteries as a matter of course. I mean, the, the, the staff, the wand, was their main power, you know, uh, uh, but they also... They would put magic in everything. There was, you know, Raul, you know, at one point they said, how much you got left? He says, well, I got some in my, uh, in, in, in my uh, uh, shoelaces. I got another, some more in my ring. You know, I've got this, this flask in my back pocket. I got some more in that. And then I got like, and then my wand's about a quarter filled. So I, I've, uh, I think I'm pretty good if I drain everything down. And, and this could be used by the mage as a means of, uh, providing emergency reserves for them that they don't normally access so that in the middle of the excitement of, of battle or something, they don't go and drain themselves dry and have no recourse at that point. Well, yeah, and in, and in the Palladium system, there is the talisman spell where you can sit there and deposit a bunch of PPE into some small little fob or whatever and you use it as, okay, I've just shot out all my PPE in a battle. Oh, wait, I've got one last, I got this talisman, I can fire off this one last blast, and hopefully that'll be enough to take this thing down. After that, I'm spent. Or it's it's your running power. The Aragon series. Oh, yeah. They use different gems and crystals as for... They're storing magical energy. Now, were there certain type of gems that worked for certain type of spells, or was it just, it's a gem we use as a spell battery? It was, I think it was like certain types and certain types hold more. Okay. In Skyrim, you have soul gems, and soul gems are specifically used to recharge your magic items. Specific sizes, but those are consumed when you use them. These yeah. particular gems in Aragon, the the gems like rubies, diamonds, that the precious gems, they're not consumed when you use that energy. It's just you have to recharge, recharge later. Yeah. yeah, so so difference between alkaline batteries and rechargeables. Well, it just depends on how you want them to be, because in the case of Skyrim, what's what the, what's providing the power is a soul that you trap in the gem that you then you then use to charge the item. Okay, you you could just as easily say at the end of it, okay, it went back to its neutral, uh, ready to accept a charge stasis, you know, sta- status. You just need another soul to put into it. Just need another soul to put into it. And, of course, dependent upon the quality of the gem, more power can be put into it for that purpose. Actually, that sort of harkens back to a wonderful movie, Dragon Slayer, 
Um, binding the the binding the soul of a, a powerful wizard to a gem it gives you lots of power to play with. I can also imagine binding a, a demon to to a, you're not using the demon's powers, you're using his power. You're tapping his light, his essence as a, basically just for powering your spells. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It could be you know it could be considered a good thing because you're killing the demon slowly. Well, it's then it's not really a battery. You're just using it as a conduit. Yeah, that's true. Even though, yeah, but you, you, you mentioned soul gems. I mean, if you're binding the spirit of the of a soul to the gem, you can couldn't you bind a spirit to that gem for the same purposes? No, I, I, that's not their purpose. Their purpose is to take the the life force that would normally leave a body, capture it, and shove it into this gem for safekeeping until it's used to charge a magic item. Ah, it's it's the it's it's the fact you know it's the old necromag thing where dead body freshly dead bodies are just chock full of mana. Yep. You just you just gotta know how to use it right. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> or kind of like in Palladium, where with PPE, at the moment of a person's death, their mm-hmm. PPE doubles. Now, this is where you have evil arcanists and sorcerers and mystics doing the blood sacrifice type thing where Mm -hmm. I want to cast a powerful spell. Oh, look, here's this. And I, I think the term is apotheosis where this is where a wizard would, you know, Oh, I, I'm going to kill off hundreds of people and I'm going to cast this massive spell and bring this demon into this world. But I need to kill off like 30 people at once. And of course that was the whole thing behind rifts was, Due to the limited nuclear exchange during the winter solstice in 2098, that's when, okay, the nuclear exchange killed thousands of people. Their PPE flared and doubled at the time of this winter solstice. That flared up the layer lines. The ley lines, when they flared up, caused destruction. Destruction killed people. Geometric progression, lather, rinse, repeat. 300 years later, you have Rift's Earth. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.